Welcome to Peaking to Success, the podcast that delves deep into our guest success stories. The highs, the lows, the lessons learned, and if there's any exciting future plans lined up. Talking about future plans, Peaking into Success is proudly supported by Peak Wills and Estate Planning. We're here to support you with any future planning. Long gone are the times of solicitors in suits and ties and dark rooms and outdated practices. We are proud to offer a fresh and dynamic approach to the stuffy old world of wills, changing the way we talk about what happens when we die. But... That's enough talk about death on a podcast introduction. It's time to pass you over to Peeking Into Success host, Mr. Adam Kahn. Whose success are we peeking into this episode, Adam? Thanks, Sam. Today we've got on a man that was originally born and bred in the Midlands and went over to America to pursue a footballing career. He has now gone into coaching and is assistant coach of Inter Miami. We have on Darren Powell. Hi Darren, how are we today? I'm doing well, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well, thank you. I bet the weather where you are is a lot better than where I am currently. I'm sure the temperature's a little bit higher. It's a little bit cloudy today, but um, yeah, the, the, there's a nice little breeze on the palm trees for sure. But yeah, <laughs> the weather's beautiful here, very fortunate. That's good. So of course, for anyone that isn't aware of what you do as a career, would you like to sum up what you do in a nutshell? Yeah, well, currently um, I'm coaching um, with Inter Miami. This past year, I worked with the first team um, up until July, and then um, was um, part of my role was a dual role with the first team of being the director of player development for Inter Miami, which I've held for four years. It's kind of been um, part of my my role is to look after the top talents within the club, and I've travelled with several of those top talents through the academy second team and then to the first team and then you know obviously this year we've had tremendous success with some of the younger players um you know playing alongside some of the world's greats um including you know mr messi and, and, and gang and then um you know the job and the task now is to obviously help the young players transition from academy to second team to first team and uh, kind of oversee that space into miami at the moment no, that's that's nicely rounded up of what you do. And I mean, with being a, into Miami, and of course, people will be able to know from your accent that you're not originally from America. So what kind of got you to where you are now? So, of course, you told me beforehand that you're from Nottingham. So how did you get from Nottingham to into Miami? Yeah, I grew up in Nottingham, went to Rushcliffe. Um, high school and then at 16 I left school but I'll just backtrack a little bit for the audience so I played obviously in the in the local leagues I played uh, for a local club team called Keyworth United um, was spotted by Nottingham Forest and then joined their academy when I was 14 years old played uh, for Nottingham Forest Academy for two years uh, when they were in the um, old first division uh, what is now the Premier League and there was a schoolboy in that system uh, Brian Clough was there and, and obviously, you know, some great players, you know, Stuart Pearce, uh, some names that may be recognised by your audience. Uh, but then on my, uh, just after my 16th birthday, I was released by Nottingham Forest, which was a, a big setback. And, you know, that was my dream. It, it was to represent my hometown team, uh, Nottingham Forest, obviously in the, in, the, in the highest league possible. But then at 16, that came crashing down. I wasn't offered an apprenticeship or, or, or YTS what it was called at that time. Then I went around on a few trials and ended up at Nottingham, Notts County, 
Um, Notts County offered me a, a YT and we managed to beat Forest. I think every time we played in my two years at Notts in the uh, in the youth league and the youth in the youth tournaments there. Um, so it was a successful time. We had a really good group of players that included, you know, ex-Derby player Michael Johnson uh, was on our team, who, who your audience may be familiar with. Um, you know, James Walker played at West Ham and several others um, that were in our group. Paul Cox, you know, players that uh, went on to have good careers in, in England. But during my time at Knotts, um, one of the coaches had emigrated to the United States. Um, came back to England, came back to Nottingham, worked at Farnborough School. Um, but at that time, he moved to America to a university, North Carolina, Greensboro, and he asked me to, to join him there as a player. Um, at that time, it wasn't um, so popular or, or, or there wasn't as many English players coming from, obviously, England to America in the college system. The college system at that time was pretty much the highest level in the States because there was no professional league. So the level had some really, really good players, players that went on to, to become uh, US internationals. Uh, so we, it was a good level of play, came over on a soccer scholarship um, and played at the University of North Carolina, then ended up going into the professional game over here um, in the what is now referred to as USL Championship into the second tier in, in the States playing. While I was continuing to play, I, as well as my degree that I'd earned at college, I also... Um, started my coaching education and started coaching within the youth game, uh, you know, from U11, U12, U13s, players like that. And then that embarked into back into the college game at Division 3, coached at Greensboro College and back to my old school, UNC Greensboro, as an assistant coach. And then, you know, was fortunate to get Elon University, who at the time were, you know, in the bottom 10% of Division 1 teams. And then, in, you know, by the time I left, 10 years later, we were in the top 20%. So that was a really big growth of the school. And that was both on the field and academically with our, with our students doing really well to, to graduate uh, with their degrees. That led to Orlando City, where I was offered the opportunity to build an academy and transition them from the USL Championship to the MLS. It wasn't an automatic promotion, but they brought the franchise rights. Uh, so originally in USL, and then they were they were going to move up to, to the MLS, which they did with, with much success. From there, I went to San Antonio. San Antonio were looking at um, having a franchise in the MLS at the time, and they wanted to build um, the first team as well as the uh, as, as well as uh, an academy. So I was the head coach and technical director of San Antonio FC, and our ownership group was the Spurs. Uh, sports and entertainment that owned the uh, Spurs basketball team, San Antonio Spurs in the NBA. So we put that project together uh, to great success and then you know led me to my current role at uh, Miami, which um, each year has progressed from um, you know academy director and director of player development to second team head coach in the USL, second team coach in MLS Next Pro, and then this past year um, alongside coach Neville, uh, Phil Neville, um, was his assistant in the in the MLS. Nice, and I mean, that shows for everyone listening that you've had very progressive growth. Every time that you've taken a step in your career, you've gone one better, one better, and it's kind of like you've built the foundations by going over to America, learning the game, and then you've kind of 
taking that under your wing. Did you kind of decide the idea of coaching at an early age or was it kind of later on into your kind of playing career you decided, oh, I want to do coaching? No, I think, you know, for me, I always wanted to be involved in soccer. You know, I left school at 16 um, and, you know, at the end of my GCSEs and embarked on this career and it wasn't easy, you know. I'm, 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 you know, 16 was a long time ago now, so, you know, 30 plus years. Um, but, you know, I love soccer. That was my passion. And, you know, whether I was, you know, involved with it at any level, um, at any time is always you know for me I've always enjoyed being a player obviously being in that locker room and then even as a coach enjoy working with players so I think it's just growing the game in America when I came I'd only really came I was coming to you know combine my studies and play you know high level soccer at the same time for four years and my plan was always to return to England and, and, and try and you know play again uh, but got afforded the opportunity to play professionally over here, but then also start my coaching journey. So for me, I think I came to that realisation that there was opportunity in this country to grow, um, to grow a sport, to help players on pathways, um, to guide players on pathways. And, you know, that became a passion. And, and that's kind of been the lifelong journey has been in soccer. And I, I joke all the time, like, maybe when I grow up, I'll know what I really want to do. Um, but... The uh, you know for now it's it's just working with players on the grass and helping them get better and helping them try and achieve the dreams because you know you do get setbacks along the way and I've had setbacks as a player as a coach um, but you have to you deal with those and, and um, you know you have to you know believe that you know in your journey and own your journey and, and do the best you can and hopefully you get those rewards and I've certainly. Um, just really grateful for, for the opportunities I've been given and also, you know, for the people I've met along the way. I've met some amazing people along the way um, and, and, and that as well, I'm very grateful and that's why I love the sport, passionate about it and it's one of those things that can connect people all around the world is our game that we love so much and um, I think that's the realisation I have. So I've never really done a day's work since I left at 16 but here I am many years later and uh, still trying to work as hard as possible with uh, as many players as possible. No, it's nice. And I mean, it comes across with how you talk that you're very passionate around the sport. Um, of course, with being in America and of course, with the kind of roles you've had previously, of course, a lot of people, especially in England, assume the kind of MLS to be like, of course, a retirement home for players but of course with how you've spoken and I mean I've seen the average age of course if you minus the three that you brought in recently your age is quite young for a team especially over there of what people assume so what kind of is the academy system like over there and kind of do the young, how do the young ones get bled into the teams yeah no it's a great question but yeah, one, you know, the MLS is far from a retirement league and I think players that, that make that assumption quickly find out it's not and realise that, you know, it's a lot harder than they think. It's a very different type of league. You know, you have to, um, I think the best way to describe it is most of the travellers like being in the Europa League. So when I hear teams, you know, that they haven't got a Europa League game on a Thursday, and, you know, it's so far away, I mean, 
you know, this country is so vast, like that's a lot of the trips every week, um, you know, every other week, so to speak, when you're away. So it makes it, it, makes it a challenge in itself. You're playing on the continent in this country. Um, and that's really the best analogy. It, 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 that has its own challenges, as, as we all know. Um, so, yeah, the players that come through, I think over the years, the MLS has now done a really good job and started to put academies in place. I think, you know, you just go back probably, say, 20 years, so it's still in its infancy and its growth has it, it, been phenomenal. But, you know, in America, there was a lot of pay to play. Now, the, it, within the MLS, they've made that affordability has been, you know, it's taken away so they can, you know, it's affordable. Um, you know, the, the, it's full-time now, there's coaches full-time, it's a full-time process. So that pathway has become clear, whereas a young, talented player 20 years ago, you know, may have to play on like seven different, seven different teams. Um, and it made it very difficult because no one was actually monitoring that one player's individual growth. Now, within the MLS, you can monitor those individual growth, so you can put pathways in place. So if a talented U15 is doing well, we can put them up to the U17s or the U16s. Um, so there's an integrated path, which I think is very important. And that's where the, what the MLS teams have done within their academies. So now these are fully-fledged academies, um, you know, and, and, and moving. So within into Miami's process, for example, we have um, programs as, as U12 all the way through U19. Our U19 program is more a college pathway. So players that may not be ready to take the professional pathway right now, but you know, maybe after four years of college at 22, 23, they can come back into the pathway. So that team is, is there to house those players. Um, and then you know, the top talented players from the academy then join the second team. And then obviously the job there is to prepare them for the next step, which is first team football. And I think, this, I think the number is 15 or 16 players that have been debuted on the MLS2 and now played for our first team over the last couple of years, which is a really high number. Um, and it shows that the process is working and you know some of the recent successes are, are Ben Haar and Drake being called into the, to the full national team and then you've got your Noah Allens and, and, and uh, David Ruiz being called into their age group national teams and even full national teams um, with David and Honduras it, it, it's been a really good process and it's clean it's not uh, taking talent of players to go and play for the high school and then the the Olympic development team, it's, it's just a clean process now where each team is integrated and uh, the, you know, the players uh, certainly, uh, certainly can do, do really well. Nice, and I mean, it's very settled then like the English game now with the academy kind of having everything in the club which is, seems to be nice and a good model that of course it shows that into Miami that there's clear ways people can go off and get qualifications and come back. So that's nice to show that kind of the club is supporting them potentially for their life after football as well as preparing them for the game. Um, do you feel like, of course, we've not really touched on, um, of course, Messi, Busquets and Jordi Alba, but of course, how do you feel their influence has been on the team and what their effect has had, especially for the younger players that you've had coming up? Yeah, I mean, I've only observed from, from afar more, more recently of those, but when you talk to some of the youngsters as well, uh, they've been amazing. You know, you look at um, the quality of play that you see on the field, but the quality of individuals off the field has been, been, been amazing to see. Like, 
you know, Messi, the day after he scored the free kick on his first goal, he's the first one in the training ground um, doing his bits to, to make sure he's ready for the next game. And I think um, things that go unspoken and nobody said anything, but the young players see that. Um, it's not by accident. You know, he's the best player in the world and maybe the best player ever to play the game, in my opinion, he is. Um, you know, so... So you see him coming in early and, and before to take care of his, his, all these bits, I think, is, uh, is, is massive. And well, the way they talk to the players and the way they help the players and, and, and help them make decisions on the ball and influence them where to run and how to run and talking to them has been amazing. So, you know, if you're a young player and you're able to be in that environment and see that on a daily basis and, and play alongside those players on a daily basis, you know, your, your knowledge and, and that influence of what you're going to learn is just going to get super, super accelerated. Um, and, you know, when you play with the best, it's going to bring the best out of you. And I think that's certainly what um, those three have brought to, to into Miami in a short space of time. No, perfect. Um, we'll kind of steer away from into Miami and come back on to you now. So, of course... You've had many roles over the kind of tenure that you've been around the soccer game. Um, what would you see as your biggest achievement or your career high? You know, I think there's lots of lots of you know we've had lots of success, but what I take the most pride on is just working with players and then seeing them achieve like their dreams and goals and their ambitions. So when you look at players and, and, and um, you know, see them be successful on their next step, that's what I take the most pride in. You know, even when I was um, coaching in Greensboro, North Carolina and at Elon University, UNC Greensboro, to see those guys go on and make their next step in their journey, I think it, it, it's massive. It, 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 that's the one that fills you the most in pride. Yeah, the, the, the trophies along the way and the, and, and the championships that you gain, and those success, the playoff wins, are all, all great, but I think ultimately the, the prize is just seeing players go on um, and you know, be successful in their own lives on the next journey within soccer, um, either becoming coaches or lawyers or whatever field they choose in. Um, it's just, just that network of, of players you've coached, I think, is, is probably what I take the most pride in. Um, and, and continue to enjoy seeing the success. I mean, most recently, the boys at Inter Miami are, are, are playing in, in the first team um, and even making the national teams. It, it, it is amazing. It fills you with a lot of pride and a lot of joy. Um, and it's not just, you know, you see these players mate, do that and, and you just know you're a part of that journey. It's, uh, it, that takes a, a, a great deal of, you know, for me, satisfaction. And um, it's probably a career high that so many players have gone on to the next step and seeing them smile and enjoy that and you know I always use an example there's a picture that Gold Messi scored his first one and, and, and Noah Allen that we debuted at 16 is chasing Messi to celebrate and it's an amazing picture and one that um, you know I, I look on with very fond memories no, that, I think that's nice and it shows that of course your work and your kind of role in the club is not being unnoticed is you're helping them players push on to get their memories and get them opportunities of being in the first team and being around their national team so it shows that of course you're helping them further their career which is amazing and I mean I feel like a lot of coaches get 
kind of shoved under the radar nowadays is of course people just focus on all oh, the managers doing well or the managers not doing well whereas it's team sport and people don't focus on kind of how big and how many roles and cogs there are in kind of the backroom stuff so it's nice that you focused on kind of the youth players coming in and them having the successes that's something where they just think all oh, the managers chosen them out on many occasions people have said about man united and been like yeah fergie's just chosen this player and that player to bring through where of course you know there's many cogs for that player to get to where they've got to in the kind of caliber they are at so it's nice that you've chosen that as your uh, biggest achievement um is there a different moment that you can see kind of as a defining moment in your career I think, I mean, look, I guess the biggest defining moment was when I decided to go to America at 18. You know, as an 18-year-old with no internet, no uh, no voice, you know, video calls, nothing like that, you know, no email. Um, you know, it was a big decision. And I just left with two suitcases and left all my family, which I was super close with my family, my parents, my brother, um, and, and just embarked on this journey. So... You know, I could have easily, you know, at times it's hard, you're away from home and you get homesick and so on and so forth. And it'd be, the easiest thing to do would be then to, uh, to, to, to return, you know, to return home, but, you know, and, uh, and give up on it. But, you know, you, you go through it and uh, I would say that's probably the biggest defining moment because had I not been here, I wouldn't have met my wife, I wouldn't have met my children. And so, um, and they're, they're, they're obviously the, you know, these are the most important parts of life is your family and, um, so that sliding door moment could have easily have uh, not uh, not not done that, but th- yeah, that's probably the, the 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 biggest defining moment for me in terms of, of making these decisions. And I mean, it shows that you made the right decision because look at where you are now and all the great work you're doing. So no, I like that. Um, is there? Of course, it's the off season now in the MLS, so kind of what's kind of the plan for into Miami? What's the kind of plan for you in the off-season to get ready for the new season? Yeah, obviously, you know, from, from our perspective, it's get the players ready. And uh, the first team is going to head to China. Um, the second team will continue training the players and developing players and, and, and uh, doing IDP-type training sessions up until Thanksgiving over here, which is the end of November. Uh, then everyone, the, the off-season is really December. For everybody, so everyone then closes down, and we get our, our summer holiday, if you like. Mm-hmm. But it's in December, which is you know everyone has the, the you know the, the holiday period there, and then uh, then we'll start in January. You'll start doing some uh, work, and the preseason begins, and you know preseason typically lasts six to seven weeks, and then we start the season again. So um, it's just really the it's a calendar year schedule um, mm-hmm. with our. June, sort of the off-season in, in, in Europe is December, but, you know, it's a close season, so they'll look at, you know, they want to look at the roster, we'll look at the young players. Um, the Academy has a big, big event in Phoenix, Arizona, where all the Academies get together, and that's sort of the, the like, the 6th through the 10th of December, and then, then everything tails off for the Academy, really, um, and then everything starts cranking up in January, so, yeah, off-season, um, can bring change for sure for everybody and uh, we'll see what this, this off-season brings for us all. Brilliant. So, I mean, even though 
the players might get a break, I assume that you'll still be working behind the scenes to try and make sure everything's ready for the new season as well. Absolutely, and, 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 and you know, my role will look at the players and, and, and you know, some of the U17s that played, um, you know, with the, with the second team can return to the U17s. We've got the U17 World Cup where two of our boys, uh, Tyler Hall and, and Santi Morales, have been called up, so we'll be watching those games with, with great intent. Uh, so, yeah, it's just making sure all the players are taken care of and, and um and then first and second team players coming for pre-season, obviously with the, you know, with one or two changes maybe to those rosters and, and see how that goes. Nice. Um, of course, kind of on a more reflective note now of kind of everything you kind of summed up about you, um, is there anything that you do differently if you could go back and do it all again? Yeah, I think if I spoke to my younger self, it's like you know sometimes you um, yeah you get so so wrapped up into the day to day you don't always see the the big picture so and take time to reflect and enjoy um, you know so it's it's always then what's next what's next and I think you know as you get older you reflect more and you look look and uh, I think. You know, I tell my daughter, my daughter plays uh, professionally for Hibernian uh, in the Scottish Premier League. Mm. So it's just, I tell her all the time, enjoy it. You have to enjoy every step of the way. Um, you know, just enjoy the moment, you know, the good and the bad. Um, but just enjoy it because, you know, a playing career is, is soon to be over and then you go into the coaching career and, um, you know, especially in professional sports, it, it becomes... Um, very challenging in terms of, you know, the, 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 it's not forever. So you always have to make sure you enjoy the moment, enjoy the people. Um, and I think that, that's, that's the most important piece. If I reflect back that I do differently is, uh, you know, make sure you, you get your right rest and recovery as well as um, all the work that you do because it is hard work and it can consume you 20 to 24 seven. So it's important that you take those times to reflect, take those times to um, enjoy your journey, enjoy your family, and uh, and be good, you know, and just 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 smell smell the roses, you know, <laughs> take take a big deep breath and uh, see everything around you. No, that's that's nice, and I feel like a lot of people are just always trying to move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing, and they don't focus on what's actually happening now, which could be something amazing but you're just trying to move on to the next destination so i completely agree with that um i've got some quick fire questions before we wrap up um so my first one is of course you work a lot around like the youth setups in your time who is kind of your like one to watch say for the listeners to kind of keep an eye on in, in the mls for this upcoming season or someone that might break through this season? So, I mean, I think look, I think Ben Herkamashi um, has done really well. Um, I think any of those three boys, Davi Ruiz, Noah Allen, that have been playing regularly with the first team, they're all just 18 and 19 years old. Um, so definitely those. And then the two boys that have just been caught to the national team um, that are coming through the system, um, Santi Morales and uh, Tyler Hall, I think both are going to have really bright futures. Uh, they will represent the US in the... Uh, in the World Cup, and uh, Santi is um, is going to be playing the year up, so 
he's only actually at U16 and he'll be in the U17 World Cup. So these boys are all super talented now. Lots to navigate through to, to, to make it to the top, but um, they all have great character. Um, they all have super strengths as well, all different super strengths, but they all have super strengths that can certainly uh, you know, help them succeed at the next levels. Nice. And then on the flip side, if you could choose kind of one player to come into Inter Miami that might bolster the team or kind of, as the three have done, kind of uplift the team? Is there anyone in particular that you could see maybe who you previously worked with or someone that you know, oh yeah, they would help strengthen the team maybe on or off the that, that's, that's That's a difficult one, but <laughs> the player I like and admire the most at the minute, right? I love watching players, Haaland, so but, you know, <laughs> I don't think Inter Miami's ever going to get Haaland, but um, you know what a player he is at Man City right now, so... Um, if there's a prototype centre forward that I would like, it'd be somebody, you know, it's Holland or somebody that um, can replicate. No, nice. Um, of course, you've been kind of around some big players and you've worked for, of course, Inter Miami and other teams. Is there kind of one piece of football memorabilia that you kind of hold dear? Maybe it's a shirt that you had or something you've collected along the way? This is going to, you know, again, for me, um, don't keep much memorabilia. I mean, you know, to meet David Beckham and to work alongside Phil Neville has been been amazing. Um, you know, and, and, and obviously I do have. Um, I don't take selfies, but I do have one with uh, with Messi because just he's uh, amazing. We played Argentina last year, um, and he took uh, pictures, individual pictures at the end of the game with everybody, which uh, was amazing and gracious at his time. Uh, but we played Argentina before they went to the World Cup with Inter Miami's second team, which was an amazing experience. And seeing those players close up, I remember saying to the players after the game, you probably play the team that's you know, potentially going to win the World Cup and then go, lo and behold, they did. Um, but amazing, amazing watching that group so that I hold that dear. So those pictures, when you see those um, pictures from the game that we have internally, um, it, it, it is, it is great. So I hold that. But then... You know, I, you know, my two children play, so I hold that dear. Anything that they do, and um, you know, my son scoring on his deb, you know, first college goal a couple of weeks ago against my former team was was great. And then I keep hold of my my daughter's jerseys um, from a college, Nottingham Forest, and now I've got a Hibernian jersey as well. So I, I frame those. Nice. Um, that's everything. So thank you for your time. I know you're a busy man and of course the time difference is not the easiest to try and make this work but no, thank you for your time and thank you for coming on. And no, thank you and uh, I, I wish all your listeners on their own journeys all the very best and, and yourself and if you need anything moving forward just uh, don't hesitate to reach out. No, perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. Want to know what's happening within Derby's black community? Or perhaps you have a story of your own to share? Then look no further than Majatu, your one-stop source for local African and Caribbean news. With our digital news platform and quarterly print magazine, keep up to date on all of the latest in arts, entertainment, food, sports and more. Find us online at mojatu.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of Peaking Into Success podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to today and would like to listen to more, 
go and check out the previous episodes on our channels and make sure you follow the page as well to keep up to date with the new exciting episodes that we've got upcoming for the rest of the year.